Daily Gazette Company presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Giese, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. Our first podcast of February. I've seen my shadow. That means six more weeks of podcasting, at least. So we're going to have to get a jump on uh, previewing Super Bowl 58 between the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. And when we want to talk San Francisco sports, there's only one source we talk to. The graduate of Notre Dame Bishop Gibbons High School, the greatest uh, sports talk show in San Francisco uh, history, a uh, host in history. That's uh, Damon Bruce. We'll talk with him in length about uh, the game uh, coming up next week. And he's going to talk a little bit about a change in his uh, career. Uh, we'll explain that during the uh, interview I had with him on uh, Thursday. And then we'll preview the Union Men's Hockey uh, Weekend. They're going to Yale and Brown this weekend. The Garner Chargers on a five-game unbeaten streak. You heard from uh, head coach Josh Howdy on Wednesday. You're going to hear from uh, men's players uh, Cullen Ferguson, Ben Tupker, and uh, John Prokop as they talked on Tuesday at the media availability, getting set for a big weekend and a chance to get some uh, revenge uh, from uh, the two losses in January to uh, Brown and Yale games that Union should have won. Blue leads in the third period, but that's uh, that. Since then, five game one beat streak. So the, the could have season could have spout out, out out of control, but it didn't. And uh, uh, the Garner Chargers are in pretty good shape right now. So when we come back from the break, we're going to talk uh, San Francisco 49ers and Super Bowl 58 with Damon Bruce, San Francisco's best talk show host for sports. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast. School sports are played by humans, coached by humans, and officiated by humans. So the next time you're sitting in the stands at a school athletic event, please remember this and maintain your humanity, especially when it comes to judging and critiquing athletes, coaches, and officials. Please show your fellow humans some respect. They'll appreciate your empathy. This message presented by NISFA and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. Want to get all the latest news from the Daily Gazette on your phone or tablet? We have an app for that. The Daily Gazette app allows you to read all the newspaper stories and columns from our dedicated team of journalists. The app is free. You can download the app from the Apple or Google app stores. What's up, everybody? This is Freddie Coleman from ESPN Radio's Freddie and Harry Show, 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. You're listening to the Party Shots Podcast with my man Ken Shot, the Daily Gazette sports editor. Welcome back to the podcast. Super Bowl 58 will be next Sunday. This is, of course, the uh, week off between the uh, AFC and NFC Championship games and the Super Bowl. And it was a good time to uh, catch up with an old friend of ours on the podcast who uh, covers the San Francisco 49ers. And, of course, he's the pride of uh, Notre Dame Bishop Gibbons High School, the number one sports talk host in San Francisco, according to my survey. And I'm 100% right about that. It's Damon Bruce. Damon, welcome back to the podcast. I mean, the pride of Notre Dame Bishop Gibbons. Boy, they, they, I hope that they've done better than me at some point in some way here, Ken. But thank you very much. It's always good to talk to you. I know that the 49ers are having a good football season whenever I get a phone call from you in the month of February. Yeah. So that means good things are happening. Yeah, it means bad things are happening to my Eagles. We'll, we'll talk about that just a little bit. But uh, I also should mention you're a former Gazette uh, newspaper carrier. Oh, absolutely. Man, I still remember... 
uh, I think his name was John G.J., was the guy who managed the uh, the newspaper distribution. I, I, I Central Parkway and up Eastern Avenue, uh, all the way to the fireside, used to be my route. And uh, yeah, lots of lots of uh, cold mornings, and <laughs> uh, and I'm proud to say I got good enough folding up the paper where I didn't even need a rubber band. I learned how to do that paperboy tuck perfectly. Wow, that's great. So it's, of course, the industry has changed a lot. Of course, our, your industry has changed a lot. And before we get into the uh, talk about the 49ers. Should we, should we tell people, should we tell people what newspapers used to be? Like, should we update yeah. them? <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't, there were nothing called websites at that time. It was like, you had to get, wait till the, I mean, social media breaking news, you had to wait till you got it in the paper the next morning. I was talking to Steve Kerr years ago about just the anxiety that professional basketball players go through with 24-7 social media, not even the media. And he's like, look, Damon, when I was a player and you wanted to get away from the stories of the day, you just put the newspaper down and you went about your business. Now it just follows you everywhere you go. So, yeah, what a different world we used to live in. And a changing media landscape is certainly something that, you know, smacked me in the face uh, after 18 years on the air in one way or another here in San Francisco, back in, in, in March, I got laid off because my company, Odyssey, that I was working for, uh, was going through a, a huge financial crisis. And they've since filed for bankruptcy. They've been delisted from the New York Stock Exchange. And it's brutal out there in those radio streets. It really is. The way that that when classified ads went to the internet, it sucked a huge revenue stream out of newspapers. The same thing has basically happened um, in, in radio. If you are running, if you are running any ad campaign, and your strategy is to just blanket the region with radio commercials, you should be fired immediately with all the targeted advertising and everything that goes on on the internet now. And so. Um, I got caught up in the business of radio. I thought my ratings were good enough. I was number one. I, you know, when you're number one, you got to think you're bulletproof. Yeah. But I got mine too. I was just a, uh, you know, an easy number for some accountant who never listened to my show, doesn't know who I am, just just saw that number and said, we can't afford that number anymore. And I just got redlined. Yeah, because I mean, I, I we talked before. I mean, maybe a couple months before that, and. It may have been, may have actually been around the uh, NFC Championship game last year, and uh, I remember you doing a promo for me, and I played it once, and then I saw on Twitter shortly after that you were going. It's like my first thing is, did I get him fired because he did a promo for my podcast and it wasn't supposed to? It was you, Ken. <laughs> it was you all along. <laughs> Oh my! Uh, well, I'm glad you're. I mean, you uh, talk about your YouTube. Yeah, how how much fun that, and how much uh, you're getting hits on that. Again, for a guy who grew up as an actual broadcaster, like the fact that I have to say things like like and subscribe is still something that I'm not comfortable with. But I do it because that's the game, right? You got to appease that algorithm. Look, it's gone smashingly as far as year one. We're not even through year one over on YouTube. Uh, subscriptions are you know, approaching 20,000 here, not too shortly. I think the Super Bowl is going to give a nice little, you know, burst uh i uh you know people it's it's hard to adapt it's it's hard to uh get people to follow you to another location but when people have found me here in this other location they've been more than willing to follow you know i've had a 20 year long sports conversation out here that goes through generations of sports fans and um they've found me they've done an unbelievable job supporting what i'm doing over here and look i'm not made financially whole yet 
But there's absolutely no doubt where there is no future in radio, everyone's broadcasting future is pretty much going to YouTube, whether you want it or not. I mean, the NFL's broadcasting future is being carved out on YouTube. And if YouTube's good enough for the NFL, it's definitely good enough for Damon Bruce. Um, it, it's, it's the largest media pond in the world where the radio pond is shrinking by the, the moment. There's going to be fewer people listening to the radio at the end of this podcast because they listen to this podcast instead of the radio than ever before. So it's just a changing media landscape. And it's funny. You see like the one of the hot, the highest paid guy at ESPN is Stephen A. Smith. You can see that Stephen A. Smith cares more about his YouTube show than he does any show that's paying him well on ESPN. All the smart animals in the forest know what's going on. And I am not a smart animal in the forest, so maybe it's good that I was forced into this and I'm going to beat an awful lot of people to this marketplace who are still hoping to carve out what is now a totally futureless career on radio. Now, if you can look, if you can stay at the watering hole and sip well and get paid well, I understand why you're tempted to do that. But believe me, they're going to run out of water. There's just there's no doubt about it. So um it's good to be in a new space. I was thrown into this new space. And even though I'm incredibly upstate New York, bitter, angry, and vengeful at all times, <laughs> I'm really happy to be here. I truly am. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. I know you'll do well with that. So let's talk about the 49ers. I mean, they're going back to the Super Bowl. I mean, they were 30 minutes away from really getting crushed by the Detroit Lions. I mean, the Lions had all that momentum yeah, you know, up twenty four seven at halftime, and then yeah, you know, what woke what woke the 49ers up? Uh, I think being down twenty four seven at halftime. <laughs> I mean, you go into the locker room and you say, "Hey, fellas, uh, we worked way too hard to go out like this. This can't happen." And honestly, you know, look, Kyle Shanahan is entrenched. He clearly knows what he's doing. But the world of shit that he would have been living in having lost three straight NFC championship games, that would have been suffocating. So I'm just happy that they made it in. Um, their play in the second half certainly needs to be lauded. I also think you can say that Dan Campbell did as much to coach the 49ers into the Super Bowl as Kyle yeah, Shanahan. Yeah. He, made, he made a couple decisions, Ken. And, you know, you, I understand how analytics and the aggressive nature of Dan Campbell got them in this situation, but this situation is different than all the situations that got you to it. I thought that he was pursuing a number on a scoreboard because we all know seven is better than three yep. when he really should have been looking at it in terms of possessions. You go up three possessions in a football game where your opponent probably doesn't have five possessions left. That's a really good place to be operating from. And he held open the door that the Niners come back, walk through. Yeah, not once, but twice. I mean, he had two chances to kick field goals and instead opted to go for it and failed both times. And I'll go back to the end of the first half when they were down the two-yard line, fourth and goal with like three or four seconds left. I would have thought that with his aggressive nature, he if he punches it in there, I mean, I think it's game over, and it really could have put the the 49ers in a in a stranglehold there. Instead, he kicks the field goal there, and but that which makes what he did in the second half really questionable. So why why not take the points? This is not a regular season game. This is a one and done game. If you don't you know get the points, you're in trouble. 
Yeah, this is not a culture-building exercise at this point. You're not trying to turn this team in the right direction. You're about a half an hour away from a Super Bowl if you play it right. And they played it wrong. And, and I agree with you. The one time they settled for the field goal is when they should have been aggressive. And the two times where they were aggressive, they should have settled for the field goal. So, um, you know, I, 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 I've been talking to some Lions fans. I've been on a little radio in Detroit, obviously, over the last couple of weeks. And I tell you, I, I feel terrible for Lions fans because I don't know, you know, when in their team's history will they be that close to a Super Bowl ever again? You're up 24-7 at halftime of the NFC Championship game. When is that going to happen again? So, um, brutal, brutal loss, and the Niners – should send a muffin basket because they're off to Las Vegas after all. And quite honestly, if you look back at the divisional game against Green Bay, I me, mean, they were the 49ers were in danger of losing that one. They haven't played their best football since they've reached the postseason. Now, maybe there's a, a sunny side to that. You know, hey, you're in the Super Bowl without even playing well. That means you're a pretty good team. Um, maybe get these ugly, ugly wins out of the way. And by the way, ugly wins was a box that a lot of people said the 49ers needed to check that box before they're taken seriously. Well, they've checked that box twice. Brock Purdy has certainly checked the box of played poorly early, played well late. Um, so uh, again, everything that has happened officially doesn't matter anymore. It's getting ready for Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and that, you know, Spag's defense, which is, you know, Steve Spagnolo as a defensive coordinator has made his bones shutting down historically elite offenses in the past. And the 49ers have a, you know, a, a big hill to climb. You can talk about the Ravens having beat down the Niners so severely on Christmas. Maybe that's the team you didn't want to see. I think it would have been a tough opponent no matter what. I mean, sight unseen, right? If I walked up to you and said, hey, uh, Ken, the Super Bowl's kicking off in an hour. You can either have the best defense on the field and Patrick Mahomes or Team X. You're going to take the best defense on the field and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Every I don't even need to know who the opponent is. Like, I'll roll with that. So I'm going to spend my week talking myself into how the 49ers can win this game. Um, I, 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 you know, it, it'd be good for my channel. I'm, <laughs> I'm officially rooting for myself at this point, yeah. not the Niners. But um, they have about as, uh, you know, a, a big a mountain to climb over uh, as as we've seen, and it might be a down year for the Chiefs' offense, but this is the best defense they've ever rolled into a Super Bowl with. And last time I heard the cliche, it's those that win championships. The Niners' defense has not been playing particularly well lately, um, but they certainly got the talent. They've got the beef up front to get it done. Now the question is, will they? We got 60 minutes to decide a championship. Of course, uh, Kansas City's offense has not been as good this year. Obviously, a different offensive coordinator, but they're still finding ways to win. I mean, does that maybe give Fortnite a little bit of advantage, knowing that uh, maybe uh, Mahomes and Chiefs' offense isn't as good as it has been in, in years past? It's got to be a little bit of a saving point, right? I mean, how can you not be talking about that? What I don't understand, and I watch a lot of Kansas City Chiefs football because they're always on national TV, and I like good football, so I watch them, and Mahomes is a show unto himself. So I watch an awful lot, and one of the things that I just cannot believe is how freely Travis Kelsey gets off that line of scrimmage every single play. How is this guy sitting down in space with not a defender within five yards of him in any direction all the time? I think if you're the 49ers, you got to go up to Fred Warner, who is 
I think, the best overall linebacker in football because he plays the pass better than linebacker, any linebacker in football. And you just say, Fred, I don't care if you tackle Isaiah Pacheco once today. You stay in Travis Kelsey's hip pocket anywhere he goes. He goes to the bathroom. I want you to be in the stall next to him. What about Taylor you know, Swift? I, I, well, um, <laughs> look, it, you know, if you can get an autograph from Taylor because you're that close to Kelsey, you probably should. I, I got, look, I got no problems with Taylor Swift. I don't, I, I, she is hardly um, an uninvited guest to any party I'll ever throw. We're more than happy to have Taylor Swift come on over. I'm not a fan of her music, but she seems absolutely lovely. Uh, the camera cutting away to her, I'm going to tell you, she's a lot better to get a camera cut away looking at her than Jerry Jones sitting in his press box. Yeah. I, I got, you know, I if you got a problem with the Taylor Swift coverage, chances are you're an incredibly lonely asshole. That's the only thing I'm going to say. <laughs> I, I really mean that. So uh, people need to relax. And. You know, hopefully her boyfriend has a terrible Super Bowl. <laughs> well, maybe they're afraid to have she might write uh, some bad songs about the uh, people uh, trying to tackle Travis. So uh, it's, it's, it's I mean, it's, it's I, I'm not a fan of music, even though she's from uh, nearby Reading, Pennsylvania. I grew up in Philadelphia. So but, you know, it's I mean, she's brought a lot of people to watch the, the, the Swifties have, have only invaded uh, you know, a lot more watching the football games. We have never seen a 50 rating for Super Bowl. This might be the one. It could be. It could be. And look, you know, the reason that, first of all, the NFL is a monolith over the media, which no other sport can pretend to be. There's nothing. Remember, it's like, hey, the Super Bowl almost gets the ratings of the Oscars. Now the Super Bowl dwarfs Oscar yeah. ratings. What, 93 of the top 100 television shows were football games last year, and the 94th one was a post-game show for one of those games? I mean, it's insane uh, how big football has become. So how can it get even bigger? Well, have a whole bunch of 13-year-old girls who might not have been watching show up to see if there's a cutaway of their favorite artist. So uh, it's just... You know, the NFL, it feels like it's too big to fail. It's getting even bigger uh, when the casual eyeballs fall upon it. It's the it's the greatest ratings in the world. So um, it's it. Look, if, if you're if you're Roger Goodell, you are much more concerned with getting Taylor Swift to next football season. And there's no break. Like, how do we make these two kids find love forever? Right. Like, <laughs> the last thing you want if you're the NFL is a Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift breakup. No matter how good that breakup album might be for her, it wouldn't be good for the NFL. So uh, they, you know, look, it, we all in the media are going to do the things that put the most amount of people in the tent. That's what we do. That's what the job is. So don't begrudge the NFL for feeling that way. Does the uh, 49 do the 49ers have a who would there be musical artists be? I would love to see them roll in with like a Janis Joplin lookalike. Just have her just uh, completely blown out, looking like she just got out of the bar. Like that to me would be the perfect, the perfect celebrity to roll in with. Or maybe just take it back to the 80s, going back, you know, coming with Huey Lewis in the news, dressed all like Miami Vice yep. extras, wearing neon. That would be great. I mean, you roll in with the surviving members of the Grateful Dead. Um, you know, Taylor Swift has got a three-minute-long pop song. They're going to go into a 24-minute <laughs> Eyes of the World. You know, that's what I'm looking for. 
so uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great musical talent from the Bay, but in terms of popularity, nobody can you know match Taylor Swift's popularity right now. <laughs> no one. She is the she's the most famous woman on the planet at this point. So. Um, yeah, you don't you don't want to compete with that. That's a level of fame that you cannot win against. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so, um, looking back on the regular season, I mean, the 49ers w- went through a little bit of a slide there, uh, and then they started to recover. Then, then the game, the rematch, NFC Championship rematch in Philadelphia against the Eagles, and uh, they survived the first quarter that the Eagles probably should have, you know, buried the 49ers instead of you know getting touchdowns. They ended up getting field goals, and from the second quarter on, the 49ers just just steamrolled. The Eagles and really sent the Eagles into a tailspin. But how much was that victory in Philly uh, the turning point for this team? I don't think it was. You don't think so? The, no. I mean, the 49ers were on a collision course with you better be back in the NFC Championship game come hell or high water no matter what. Win or lose against the Eagles. They needed to appear in the Super Bowl regardless of the outcome of that game for anyone to have been happy. Um you know, I, I know that it was a great talking point. You know, what, 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 you know, what are you going to do when Brock plays the entire game? Well, the Eagles found out. Um, that was the, the 49ers have been on return to Super Bowl mission from training camp. The Eagles were a step to that. I think it's when a lot of people might have bought into it. It's certainly when the city of Philadelphia woke up and said, we should probably tell fewer Debo Samuel jokes. Um, and it, it's where Dom, the security guard, became legend for a moment and then suspended for the rest of the year. Uh, it was uh, it, look, it was a big win, but they're all big wins as you're trying to stack together enough of uh, a, a record to be the one seed. It looked like the Eagles were going to be the preordained one seed. But as always, we forgot the most important lesson. Anytime you lose to the Jets, by definition, yes. you might suck. Yeah, you might suck. I don't care how good the Jets are. You lose to the Jets, you might suck. They play stupid. The, they they played stupid football that game, especially at the two minute warning. They you know have a chance to run the clock out and instead throw an interception. And that was the Eagles' first loss against Jets. I mean, that's right. That's right. And everyone was trying to be respectful of the Jets and oh, they're in a bad situation with Aaron Rodgers. I wasn't. That defense is still good. <laughs> well, no, you of course yeah. not. Um, but, you know, the, uh, the it, 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 it was, uh, you know, Eagles fans are uh, – the, the passion in the city of Philadelphia is unquestioned. So is the amount of assholery that comes out of Eagles fans from Philadelphia. So the amount of shut your mouths and just enjoy the game that Philadelphia had to bite and swallow this year, that's – that was glorious. That was glorious. <laughs> because I'm going to tell you, I've never seen a team lose a Super Bowl and walk around like they've won it and about to repeat quite like Eagles fans were just just annoying across social media and everywhere. So um, I'm glad that the city of Philadelphia was hit with the huge slice of humble pie that it was begging for in the karma of the universe all year long. Yeah, and of course, by the by the end of the season, we're all calling for Sirianni's head. <laughs> That's right. That's yeah. A, again, no one falls out of love with their sports fans and their sports idols faster than the city of Philadelphia. It's an intensity that I admire, but you're all certifiably crazy. You really are. Thank you. Thank you. 
You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> well, let's talk about Kyle Shanahan. This is his third trip to the Super Bowl. He was the offensive coordinator for the Falcons in that infamous 28-3 uh, blown lead. Uh, they had the lead. Real in- quick, real quick, real quick, yeah. Ken. In the history of football, in the history of the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. there has never been a coordinator attached to victory or defeat the way that Kyle Shanahan gets attached to that. You would have thought he was the head coach of the Falcons yeah. he gets blamed for that. And remember, 28-3, to three, I think the defense blew that. Now you can say, well, he made some bad choices that set up the comeback and all that stuff, like Dan Campbell held the door open for the Patriots to walk through, blah, 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 blah. But that was not his Super Bowl. It wasn't. It was Dan it, Quinn. It, it, yeah. it, exactly, exactly. So – Kyle has been to a Super Bowl. He got beat by, you know, peak of the Kansas City Chiefs. And we'll see if he can't get a little revenge here now. What's it going to take to win that game uh, next Sunday? 35 touches for Christian McCaffrey. Another 15 touches for Debo Samuel. The 49ers are just going to have to ground it and pound it and grind it down and long drives. And those drives got to finish with seven, not three. And you got to keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. And you just got to hit him with... You know, the, the the skeleton keys of the 49ers offense that unlocks everything that Kyle wants to do with a lot of McCaffrey, a little bit of Debo, a little bit of Kittle. And all while you're looking at that, boom, there's Brandon Ayuk right there. The Niners got a lot of weapons and they got to use them. But there's no weapon that is sharper than Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, yeah he's amazing. He, he's amazing. Oh, my God. Like, I had no idea. You know, you, you watch a lot of football and. Even if you watch a lot of football, you didn't see a lot of Carolina Panthers football unless you're in that local market. So I knew he was good, and obviously he came from Stanford. So we saw him collegiately. We knew how good he was. Then you see the numbers and the fantasy points and all that stuff, and you're like, wow, he is really good. But until you see him, like the, 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 the plays that don't make the highlight, Ken, you know, second and seven, this guy is six yards every single time. Looks like it's about to be a three-yard loss. Actually, it's a two-yard gain. He got out of it. And it wasn't very, you know, didn't move the Niners down the field, but it kept them from a negative play. And that's where Christian McCaffrey is just magical. He is, no one keeps the Niners on schedule like Christian McCaffrey. And he can get big and physical opening up holes for himself. He can get narrow and tiny and run to daylight through slivers that you didn't even think he could run through. He's like an accordion. He expands and contracts based on the situation. Uh, He is one of the single greatest players in the history of the San Francisco 49ers. And that is a mouthful. And he is, he's already that in the small handful of games that he's played for this franchise. He is one of the best to have ever played for this franchise. I think he goes if he wins a Lombardi trophy next Sunday, I think he punches his, his ticket to the Hall of Fame. I yeah. really do. Yeah. What's your prediction of a score? You know, I, I, I try to stay out of the, the prediction business. Okay. I, I really do. I, I, I haven't even thought about it enough. Like, I'm going to pull a random number out here. I, I want the Niners to win. I want there to be a parade up Market Street. I want the heat to come off of Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy and have people who insist that these very good entities who are not good at their jobs, you know, once somebody's handed a Lombardi trophy, you are good at your job. And there's no denying that anymore. And maybe that's the problem with sports. We have a whole bunch of people who understand that 
team that crosses finish line in first place, good, everything else bad. Like, it's not that black and white. It really isn't. Um, but the Niners have no moral victory to reach a Super Bowl. There's no moral victory for an NFC title game appearance. It's winning time. And much like Andy Reid in Philadelphia, Kyle, Kyle Shanahan truly does wear the crown of best coach in this league to have not won a Super Bowl. And I do think if he gets one, he might get three. Like, I could see an avalanche of success once you get past that. I always thought it. Scott Norwood been true that night in Tampa and put it right down the middle. The Bills win three of those four Super Bowls instead of losing all four. Yeah. But it was like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Kyle needs to end the self-fulfilling prophecy that he can't win the big game, which is also a little false because he hasn't won the biggest game. But I think we can all agree that any NFL playoff game is a big game. I don't care if it's wild card, divisional, championship. If you're in, if you're in a playoff game, that's a big game. We can all agree on that, right? right. In a fragmented, arguing about everything world. Well, Kyle Shanahan now has the best winning percentage in the postseason of any coach that has ever coached the 49ers. And you can go look up what Bill Walsh and, you know, um, <clears throat> you know what has happened with uh with the 49ers historically they've been co you know bill walsh and george seaford had amazing success and kyle has already accumulated a better postseason winning percentage he is eight and three hmm. in 11 postseason games that's that's good yeah that's good unfortunately for him um the three losses are two in the nfc title game and one in a super bowl so uh, but he is really good. This is a good team. They're loaded to bear. They got the most pro bowlers in football. All they needed to do was figure it out, kind of at quarterback, and they were able to. So no more excuses. Go win a goddamn Super Bowl for a change. It's been a long time. Yes. Well, Damon, I appreciate a few minutes. It was great to catch up with you. Uh, have fun in Vegas, and uh, we'll be watching you on uh, YouTube. It's talking uh, Super Bowl and 49ers. Upstate New York is lucky to have you in the podcast. Thank you so much, Ken, for having me back on. And uh, anything, anytime there's some news from the Bay Area that you need, give me a call, brother. It's great to be on with you again. Well, with the Philly, the Phillies and Giants ended up in the uh, National League Championship Series. We'll talk in October. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know if the Giants are going to make it out of spring training. Have you seen this roster? Oh, see, that's hey, another podcast. Hey, hey, right hey, there. hey, at least you don't have uh, <laughs> the Kapler managing anymore. <laughs> at least at least we got that going for us <laughs> well you know what i know what the capitals and the phillies it wasn't good so anyway so and how do, i don't know how he won the west that one year but uh, anyway that's it like i said another time uh, for, we'll talk about that but again damon thank you very much and uh we'll uh we'll talk soon cheers ken that's damon bruce uh we're gonna talk some union kyle chalky we'll look ahead to this weekend's games at uh yale and brown you're listening to the parting shots podcast If you really want to know what's going on in your community, you have to read the Daily Gazette. We don't take a side. We're right down the middle and we're going to get to the truth. Our reporters and photographers are out in the field bringing you updates every minute with trust, accuracy, and integrity. 
from the first page to the last page, independent, probing journalism. We're finding out what's going on in the community where nobody else is covering. It's who we are. It's what we do. Hi, this is Union College head football coach John Drock. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with the Daily Gazette sports editor, Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast. It's time to talk some Union College men's hockey, the Garnet Chargers. Back in ECAC hockey play this weekend after uh, taking last weekend off for conference play, but they uh, took care of RPI 5-3 to three in the uh, annual Mayor's Cup uh, game at uh, MVP Arena. Uh, that was their third straight uh, Mayor's Cup victory and eighth out of the 11 that have been played so far. Uh, Union gets set to play at Yale on Friday night and at Brown on Saturday night. And if you recall, a month ago, the uh, Union played those teams at Messering in two winnable games, got away from them. Uh, blowing third-period leads. Uh, they lost 3-2 in overtime to Brown and got the consolation prize of one point for the overtime loss. There was no such uh, consolation prize the next night against Yale. A 2-1 lead turned into a 4-2 loss was, uh, as the Bulldogs scored three goals in a two-minute span late in the game. So that was a, a difficult weekend. And really a pivotal weekend for the uh, Garner Chargers because the season could have spiraled out of control. I mean, the team was you know up and down, couldn't really find an identity, and they, they could have just uh, folded there and just you know played out the string and got to the try to play uh, first round and maybe pulls off some upsets. But instead, the Union got it together and. Um, They've gone 4-0-1 in their last five games and uh, been very impressive. In all those wins, they've scored five goals, and they're really creating offensively. Uh, so they've been impressive. And they're, you know, they're playing well. They're tied for fourth with Colgate uh, in the ECAC hockey play. That fourth-place spot is the final spot for a home our first-round bye and getting in home ice in the, the uh, quarterfinal around the best of three. So, uh, and Union's yet to play Colgate, as you heard from Josh Algy uh, on Wednesday's podcast. So he's a little, you know, wonder, wondering why they haven't played Colgate and Cornell just yet. Uh, they'll get to see them next weekend at Messer Rink. So, um, you know, be careful what you wish for, I guess. But uh, the way Union's playing right now, I think they feel pretty good about themselves. It's, a, like I said, a pivotal weekend coming up here. Uh, they get six points here. They really put themselves in great shape for a, a first-round bye and then put some distance between uh, the rest of the conference of the teams below them. I was over at Messer Rink on Tuesday getting uh, sound for this podcast and a story I did on uh, Colin Ferguson as well as my uh, uh, opening face-off column, which is uh, both those stories are available at dailygazette.com. Uh, the Colin Ferguson feature is uh, in uh, Wednesday's edition and actually Thursday's edition, excuse me, and the uh, opening face-off will be in print in Friday's edition. I comment about um, how that uh, weekend, uh, Brown and Yale lost weekend, uh, Union bounced back from that, and they bounced back well. So uh, stepping up to the microphone now are our Union players Ben Tupker, Cullen Ferguson, and John Prokop. Uh, ben, we'll start with you. Um, early in January, you guys lost those games at Brown and Yale, tough fashion, blowing uh, third-period leads. Since then, you guys have gone on beating five. What's been the key to turning things around after those two games? Um, I just think, you know, finally we're starting to kind of hit our stride and play up to the level that uh, we expect um, as a team. So, yeah, obviously that uh, last Yale Brown weekend wasn't uh, wasn't good by any means, but I think that kind of lit a fire into the group that was necessary, and we're just uh, we're seeing that come to fruition right now. Yeah, Colin, that could have gone either way. I mean, you know, guys could have sulked in you know, going into the Clarkson-St. Lawrence weekend, you know, sulking about that, but instead you come out with five points. Then next weekend, Dartmouth-Harvard, five more points. 
you go from near the bottom of the standings and now tied for fourth uh, with Colgate and you know first round buys a good possibility. So I mean, you look back, what, what was the key factor in getting things turned around and not uh, letting those uh, two losses affect you? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it lit a fire under us, and I think the biggest thing was just, just closing out games. Um, that was the tough part was we were winning in both of them, and we let it slip away. So just hammering down on the details, that was the one thing that we preached, and I think it's it's really benefited us. And you did that in the Clarkson game, did that in the Dartmouth game, and obviously come back from, from the rally in the Harvard game. So doing that, and of course, uh, this past Saturday against RPI, so... Are you guys getting gaining confidence with that? Yeah, no, we're definitely gaining confidence. I think uh, the group is definitely starting to believe in uh, one another a lot more. Uh, how you said it since day one that he believes in this group, and I think he believed in us when we didn't necessarily believe in each other, but now we're starting to see that a lot more. Ben, I remember you saying you guys were there was anger after that Yale Brown series. You know, how have you guys challenged that to put together you know a run like this? Um, yeah, I think that, you know, our ability to kind of um, turn that negative into a positive just, like, speaks to the character that we have in that room, and um, that's something that we always knew that um, we had as a group. So I think for us to, you know, come together and, and turn the page pretty quickly and just kind of take it weekend by weekend since then has been, um, you know, it's awesome to see. So we're just looking to try and keep that going. John, how important is it to keep that this weekend when you go to uh, Yale and Brown? Yeah, I mean, obviously we owe them uh, each a game, and I think it's big for us. Uh, in terms of the conference standings to go and get those points. Colin, I want to talk to you about uh, your offense. You got named the Defender of the Week on Monday with the three-point uh, game against RPI. Uh, talking with Josh, he, he thinks uh, last year you were pressing, trying to do too much offensively, trying to prove yourself, and even into this season. Uh, he said just basically, you know, just relax a bit. Have you relaxed, and has, has that translated into getting the points going? Yeah, I think I'm just going out and playing hockey now. That's the most important thing is I'm not really in my head as much. Um, I think, yeah, last year I was definitely gripping my stick a little too tight. And there's no doubt I had a sophomore slump, but I've just kind of, at the end of the day, I'm still playing the game I love. And uh, that's the most important thing. And I think when I'm just, that's the mindset I'm in, that's where I'm playing well. Was that more, you know, pressing and gripping the stick too much, more just trying to impress a new coach at that time? Uh... I mean, it's definitely tough. I, I wouldn't say I was just trying to. I wouldn't say I was trying to impress him, but you definitely start all over. Um, you know, I, I worked with Rick for most of the year, and then Jr. Uh, and then you have Lenny, who's the D coach, and how'd you come in? You're definitely starting from ground zero again. Uh, I wouldn't say I was trying to impress him, but I definitely had to prove my worth, um, and I still am trying to really prove my worth every single day. So. Cullen, do you feel like the, a major victory like the Mayor's Cup can really carry some momentum for you guys into you know, a vital back half of the season right now? Um, I honestly think that it started before that. I think it, we'll, just keep, we'll just keep this confidence going from this point on. I think the Yale-Brown weekend coming in on that Monday sucked. Like It was terrible. The vibes were awful. Um, but then I think, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday come around and you realize that you're you're human and you're playing the game you love, like I said, and all your buddies still love you, your family still loves you, and you keep moving forward. And I think uh, we just had to go into games with a little more detail and a little more hunger and hanging on the leads is the most important part. So I think uh, that was like more the turning point. Colin, how important is it for you to help contribute to the offense? I mean, we saw that Saturday night, you know, all 
you know, all your points were, you know, important points with the goal and the, the, the two assists. I mean, how important is it for you to, to help John uh, with the offense from the defensive edge? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I'm still defenseman, so taking care of our end is the most important thing. Um, yeah, I'm sure John didn't mind uh, <laughs> taking some weight off his shoulders for sure, but I mean, that's that's his uh, that's his forte, honestly. Like, I my job is to play defense um, and just yeah, do what I can to help the team win. John, does that help you passing the load on you? Yeah, I mean, all our defensemen. Um, it's nice when everybody's getting points back there, and the deer celebrating, scoring goals, especially Kells. Seeing those guys put up points too, so it's nice. Yeah. Uh, in the, on the two assists you had in the RPI game, both you sent the puck to the net. Um, uh, obviously, got tip-ins from Carter and, and from Billy. So, I mean, how important is it to be able to get that puck to the net, not you know, hang around, wait, waiting, waiting, waiting? Yeah, I think it's very important to get pucks on that. It's also a big momentum thing when uh, when we start hammering their goalie with more shots. Um, when we're uh, when we're in the ozone. There's a lot of times when you're making a lot of moves, making a lot of plays, but you're not really getting anything in the net. So sometimes you just got to get the puck on net and get some traffic there and win in that front battle. Ben, how important is it for the defense to help contribute to the offense? Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, as a decor, they've done great at that all year. I think that one of their strengths, um, you know, is getting pucks through the blue paint. So that's been awesome and consistent throughout the season. Um, you know, which is a group of forwards, it makes our job pretty simple, and we just have to get there. So. Um, yeah, we have a ton of faith in those guys producing and continuing to do that. Ben, there's so much emotion on Saturday night. How do you guys ensure coming into this weekend that you know there's no hangover, you know, effects from what was a really emotional weekend for you guys? Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, you know that goes back to exactly what we've been trying to do the last few weeks in terms of you know once Monday hits, the, you know, the pages turn. And I think as a group, honestly, um, it's not like cliche or just a saying. I think we actually have done a good job of doing so. So. Yeah, I mean, Yale Brown is a little bit of an extra incentive after what happened last time, but at the end of the day, we're not treating any any differently. So. I'll be back to wrap up the podcast and have the last two weeks of winners in the You Pick'em Football Contest. Uh, I was off uh, last week from taping that podcast because of the little stomach bug. Uh, you're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. historic conference in college hockey. It's a battle night in and night out. ECAC Hockey, an iconic conference home to 12 of the most prestigious universities and programs in the world, and showcasing the best student athletes in the sport. Top-notch facilities and arenas, incomparable traditions, passionate fans, alumni who go on to become elite professionals, leaders, and champions. ECAC Hockey, there's no experience like it. Hi, this is Daily Gazette opinion editor Mark Mahoney. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Back to wrap up the podcast. The divisional round winner in the Daily Gazette's You Pick'em Football Contest was Todd Weaver of Schenectady with 16 points. Todd wins a $100 Hannaford gift card. Congratulations, Todd. 
The conference championship round winner was Linda Rockwell of Schenectady with 16 points. Linda also wins a $100 Hannaford gift card. Congratulations, Linda. The VIP winners were John Golder of Slider Sports Bar in the divisional round and Scott Lucier of Capital Land GMC in the conference championship round. I am 191 and 131 on the season, and my Gazette colleague Adam Schinder is 178 and 144. I'll announce the U-Pick'em Football Contest winner's name, and that winner's name will appear in Thursday's Daily Gazette. To play, go to dailygazette.com and click on the U-Pick'em Football banner. Just one game left, Super Bowl 58 next Sunday. Just because COVID-19 mandates are easing, that does not mean you should relax. Be vigilant. If you have not gotten vaccinated or received a booster shot, please do so. Do it for yourself, do it for your family, and do it for your friends. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I want to thank Damon Bruce, Ben Tupker, Colin Ferguson, and John Prokop for being on the show. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T at dailygazette.com. Follow me on X and threads at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of the Daily Gazette company. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of the Daily Gazette company. I'm Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports.